Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. God said, my name is in him. God's name is God's covenant in the Bible. God's name is God's presence. God's name is God's truth. God's name is God's character. God's name is God's word that guarantees the outcome for the future. God's name is the same thing as the Ten Commandments. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's Reaching Your Heart is entitled My Angel. It is the 10th in the Cosmic Controversy series. We will bring you the first portion of this broadcast today and we'll complete it the next time we're together. Again, it's My Angel. Remember, you can go to the website reachingyourheart.com if you miss any portion of this broadcast and listen to it in its entirety without interruption. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway with My Angel. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. The Old Testament begins with life, and it ends with betrayal. It starts with light, and it ends with darkness. The book of Genesis leads us from the fall of Adam to the call of Abraham. It leads us from the apostasy of the tower builders of Babel to the call of a man who left the land of tower builders with a towering faith that could go into the future, that could see the outcome without seeing with his eyes. When all the nations of the earth rebelled against God at the Tower of Babel by choosing demons for gods, God found a man with a pure faith who chose God as God, and he left the land of tower builders for a city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. During all the dark era when demons ruled the world as gods, God ruled a family as the angel of the Lord. The nations of Israel came late upon the scene of world history. It was not a nation at first. Israel did not start out as a great and mighty people. It started out as a family that the angel of the Lord interacted with, that the angel of the Lord covered, as Jacob said near the end of his life, that the angel of the Lord had redeemed him all his life from all his trouble. And it became God's nation in time on God's timetable. When all the nations of the world chose demons and evil angels as their guardian protectors and spiritual princes, Jesus was the guardian protector of the Jewish nation. We find him as the angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord. He was the angel of the Lord who is the Lord. He was the messenger who comes from God who is God. He was the presence of God in a supernatural manifestation in the Old Testament that was the guiding force for Israel in its history. Christ was the God of the Old Testament that tenderly cared for and guided the nation of Israel. He stood as the only protection against any army of evil angels or evil God-like beings who claimed to be gods who aren't. And he moved them back and he held them at bay and he kept his nation safe through its long history. Israel's fate was tied to their obedience to Christ in his preexistent form. He was the angel of the covenant. He was the guarantee of the everlasting covenant. 
The guardian protector of the Jewish nation was the only being in the universe who could keep the soul and guide the people of God to the promised land. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He meant this angel. To rebel against the guardian protector of the Jewish nation meant eventual death and judgment. At Mount Sinai, God assigned Jesus Christ to the nation of Israel as the guardian angel of the Jewish nation. 100% fully God, uncreated, eternal in nature, the second person of the triune Godhead, the second person of the Trinity, guided Israel in the form of an angel. It was a condescension for him to guide Israel in this way. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is Jesus Christ, God's ultimate messenger, God's ultimate angel. But more than any angel, he is the guardian protector who is fully God. At Mount Sinai, God assigned Jesus to protect the nation in a very dangerous world. Exodus 23, 20 and 21, Behold, I send an angel before you. God the Father is talking to Moses. He says, I send an angel before you to guard you in the way and to bring you to the place which I have prepared. Give heed to him and hearken to his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your rebellion, for my name is in him. God said, my name is in him. God's name is God's covenant in the Bible. God's name is God's presence. God's name is God's truth. God's name is God's character. God's name is God's word that guarantees the outcome for the future. God's name is the same thing as the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments go between your eyes in Deuteronomy 6 as frontlets between your eyes. The name of God in Revelation 14.1 goes on your forehead. And we know that the name of God and the seal of God are equivalencies. And we know that the seal of God is on the Son of God. And so God's name, God's seal is in this angel. He is the Son of God. When God's name is in this angel, it means He is God, not a God, as some churches will teach. No, He is God. He is the great Yahweh God of Sinai, the great Jehovah God that guided Israel in the past. Jesus was given to Israel as the guarantee of God's covenant name and God's covenant protection. The great I Am of Mount Sinai was inside this angel who guided Israel, who guarded Israel in the Old Testament. The law of God spoken on Mount Sinai. The law of God which summarizes the character of God of His name. This was in this angel. David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus was the Lord way back then, just as much as He is today, the Good Shepherd. He was the messenger of the covenant who had the covenant deep inside Him because He carried God's name by nature and by election. He was the unseen force and the constant voice that guided the prophets and spoke to them in time of need. And yes, He made war with His own people at times. He engaged them. He entered into controversy with them. Because his covenant was more important than his relationship with them. If they violated the covenant, he engaged them to bring them back to God. He was God in angel form who guarded them and guided them and carried them all the days of old. Isaiah 63 verse 9, In all of their affliction he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. And in his love and his pity he redeemed them. He lifted them up and he carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. The Bible teaches that if you refuse to follow the Lord, if with stiff neck and resistant spirit you refuse to submit to God's word, he will in time become your adversary. 
The Old Testament is the history of a God in conflict with His own people. It is set in the language of a legal lawsuit where God often calls for the witnesses of sky, earth, and mountains to bear witness to the faithlessness of His people. In the Old Testament, all the nations of the world were faithful to their gods. They clung to their gods, but Israel was the odd nation out. It was the nation that did not cling to God in Holy Covenant. It was the nation whose God was constantly seeking to draw them back to Him. And the Old Testament ends with their rejection of God's rule and the angel that God had sent to protect them. The book of Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament before Jesus came. 400 years will pass and there will be no prophets after the book of Malachi until John the Baptist shows up and then Jesus shortly after. The book of Malachi literally means my angel. The word angel can mean messenger. It is a book that is dedicated to Jesus Christ as the guardian protector of the Jewish nation. In the book of Malachi, God has a controversy with his people who have rejected his divine rule. He engages his Old Testament church to save them before the judgment comes. He indicts them for an attitude of cynicism and faithlessness where there should have been manifest faith and confidence in God. Malachi 1 verse 2, God says, I have loved you. What an amazing way to start a book. God says, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say... How hast thou loved us? I mean, have you ever said that in your life? Lord, do you really love me? You ever ask God that question? Well, dear heart, take your Bible out and look at that verse. It says, I have loved you. Is there any question in the Word of God that He, he, that he loves us? There's none. He says, I have loved you, but you say, how hast thou loved us? Some people confuse doubt for intelligence. Just because someone can ask questions doesn't mean they're smart. Some believe that questioning God is a virtue and God's word is very clear for the life. God's word is clear. I have loved you. And dear heart, you may not feel loved. You may feel like faith is far from you. You may feel like your sins have separated you from God. And maybe they have, but it does not change the truth that God has loved you. And the God that has loved you has loved you enough to engage you in life and to hold you and to discipline you and to draw you to his heart. Some people believe that questioning God is a virtue and God's word is very clear for the life. God has loved you. The leaders of Judea were offering sick and lame sacrifices and they were freely divorcing their wives with impunity. I mean, you know, the wife is good as long as she's pretty, then divorce her and get her younger girl when you get older. Now, there are legitimate reasons for divorce in the Bible, but it shouldn't be a commonplace thing. It should be something which is based on the severing of a covenant. The Bible teaches that abandonment is the basis for divorce and remarriage in 1 Corinthians 7. It also teaches that a person can remarry if there's been infidelity. But I know of people who have done their level best to remain true to their spouse even after that has occurred, and they have left them. Those people are free to remarry in the Bible. In the book of Malachi, God said, Guard the spirit within you and be true to your wife. That's another way of saying, Watch your attitude. Gentlemen, I'm speaking to you, not your wives right now. Watch your attitude. When God brings someone into your life and that person becomes your wife, you do everything you can to stay married to the person that God gave you. And you guard your eyes, you guard your commitments, you guard your pathway. And don't buy into this theology or this, this notion that somehow you don't need to. You hang on to your wife, and I'll make a statement. If she's Agatha, Hagatha. Uh-oh. If she's Agatha Hagatha, now I hope we don't have any Agathas here. That's a pretty name. 
But the Haggatha is the part I'm talking about. You stay married to your wife for Jesus' sake. Show her the love that is the basis of your covenant commitment. And you know what? There will be seasons of love. It will burgeon again in your life. They weren't guarding any spirit, and they weren't true to their wives, their children. Most of all, they weren't true to God. And this was the clergy. In the book of Malachi, God engages his Old Testament people in a covenant lawsuit because they had rejected him. Malachi 2.16, God said, For I hate divorce, says the Lord of God of Israel, and covering one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to yourselves and do not be faithless. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet You say, How have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Now, this is the kind of cynical thinking that was taught by the Greeks. This is the Socratic mentality that came into the Jewish faith in the intertestament period that turned the brilliant faith of Israel into nothing but Greek philosophical speculations. And we find God engaging this mess directly in Scripture. The nation of Israel started with the faith of Abraham and it ends with a bunch of religious leaders who are so cynical and faithless that they no longer believe in the worth of God's word. They no longer take it at its face value and they no longer serve God because faith is faltered. In fact, in the book of Malachi, they challenge God's character as evil. They're so absorbed with the issue of theodicy, they have not surrendered themselves to the God who is righteous and just. The nation that was meant to lead the world to truth was now led by leaders who chose Greek philosophy over Bible truth. They came to doubt the very presence of the Lord who had guided them all the days of old. They formed their religious rites in a perfunctory kind of way as a job for gain instead of a holy calling for God. This is the context of Malachi 3.1. Suddenly the voice of God breaks in to the book of Malachi, which means my angel. And God speaks. He says, Behold, I send my angel or messenger to prepare the way before me, says the Lord. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, that is the angel of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. That's how the Old Testament ends. It ends with a covenant lawsuit engagement where God is saying, I am sending the guardian angel of the Jewish nation to you and you will stand before him. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will continue in just a moment. Stay tuned. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. Behold, He is coming, says the Lord of hosts. That's how the Old Testament ends. It ends with a covenant lawsuit engagement where God is saying, I am sending the guardian angel of the Jewish nation to you, and you will stand before him. The word translated messenger is the Hebrew word angel. The messenger, angel of the covenant is here defined in the context as the one in whom your soul delights. 
We know in Isaiah 58 that that's the Lord in whom we should delight. And so it's very clear here that Jesus Christ, the guardian, protector of the Jewish nation, is coming to deal with His people. And then the question is asked, but who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when He appears? For He is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver till they present right offerings to the Lord. Four hundred years pass and the prophets are silent. Four hundred years and the Jewish nation surrendered to the theology of the Greek philosophers. Stadiums were built instead of synagogues. And we find the slipping into the secular mentality that occurred in these four hundred years God can no longer speak to them in angel form and be heard. They have shut him out. In the second century B.C., the people of God chose Rome as the protector of the people and and their famous peace treaty with Judas Maccabeus in the Roman Empire. When they chose Rome, they rejected Jesus. The destroying angel of Rome, that evil prince in charge of Rome, which became Satan himself, became the ruler of the holy nation of Israel. The silence of the prophets was deafening. The word of God was heard no more in the land. Then a voice of divine importance was heard in angel land. Something was heard in the realm of the unseen that broke the silence of history with the light of a new age. The guardian protector of the Jewish nation so long forgotten. His voice silenced the prophets no longer speaking. It broke into his people's history as a human being. The word of God that every hurting heart needs to hear became the voice of a man in the desire of ages. God in angel form was heard no more in the ear of the prophets forever. The age of the prophets had come to an end. And the messenger of the covenant became a man who would speak clearly the mind of God in human language. And the spirit of prophecy in the Old Testament became the testimony of Jesus in the New Testament. The bad sacrifices of the sons of Levi were replaced. And John the Baptist saw Jesus walking on the banks of the River Jordan. John 1.29, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The old was passing away. Type must meet anti-type. The voice of God became the voice of a baby crying in the night. And the angel of the Lord, the guardian protector of Israel, became the servant of the Lord who is the Lord. Jesus is the condescension of God. From eternity, he was at the bosom of all that God is. He had no origin, no beginning. He, was, he condescended to appear within the universe as the Messiah cherub. And then he was appointed as the, the angel of the Lord in charge of the family of Abraham. And then he was appointed Sinai to be the guardian angel of the Jewish nation. And when they rejected him, he came to them as a baby in Bethlehem's manger. The great condescension of God to save his people. When the Old Testament ends, God rejects the sacrifices of the sons of Levi. The entire system is passing away. Judea had chosen the spiritual rule of Rome, and by so doing, it opened the floodgates for demonic control over the holy people. In Luke 4 or 5, Satan told Jesus when he was tempting him in the wilderness, he said, I, all the dominions and kingdoms of the earth have been given to me, and I'll give them to whomever I want to give them. And the Greek word he used for for a kingdom there was oichomene. It's the Greek word for the inhabited Roman world. What he said was, I am the king of the Roman Empire, and I will make you Caesar. Hail Caesar. I will take Tiberius off his throne, and I'll place you on the throne of the emperors, and you will be my son in relationship to me. I will be your father. 
He offered Jesus the role of Caesar in a world order that had become his by choice. Rome had become Satan's kingdom, and Judea in the second century had become the jewel of that demonic realm, according to the book of Daniel. Hebrews 10, 5-7 introduces the coming of Jesus in this way. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here am I. It is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, O God. And then Jesus disappears, never more to be seen as the angel of the Lord. Never more to be seen as the Messiah cherub. He disappears and his nature is transformed and reduced into human form. The great condescension, the emptying of God is in play over the centuries. And now it becomes to us at the human level. John says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The messenger of the covenant became the sacrifice for the covenant that was broken. John describes the transition from the old order to the new in this way. In John 1.10, he was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. When Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he entered the synagogues to cast the demons out. He had been engaged in a long, great controversy between evil forces. It had started in heaven. It had been transmitted to this earth. The Tower of Babel had opened up the floodgate, the abyss, to where these demons became the gods of the earth. And so here he was, coming to his own land. And when he comes to Judea as a human being, his ministry, he comes to that place where Satan has taken control of to claim it back for God. In Luke 4, Jesus began his ministry on the Sabbath in a synagogue. On the floor of the ancient synagogues, mosaics of the host of heaven were carved along with the zodiac. The Jewish nation had directly given itself over to demonic powers. Pagan and Greek thought had entered the holy place of God and their demons dwelt. Jesus rose up and began to preach from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. In Luke 4.18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The mob drove Jesus out of the synagogue. Jesus left the synagogue of Nazareth for the synagogue of Capernaum. His life was almost taken. They were ready to throw him over the cliff, and the Lord pulled him out of the mob. And so he went to the next synagogue at Capernaum. And in the synagogue there, he sees a man with a demon, and he sets his eyes on him. With the coming of Jesus, the old age of demon control must face the one who has spiritual authority. The guardian protector of the Jewish nation looks at that man who belongs to God. He looks at that child of Abraham who has been overtaken in attitude and spirit, who has lost his way, who has surrendered to something other than God. And he looks at him with a love that is magnetic. And when he looks at him, he sees under his eyes one who is under a control of a mob within. There is a spiritual mob motivating and ruling him. And the guardian protector of the Jewish nation acts because, as Malachi says, the Lord said, I have loved you, says the Lord of hosts. In Luke 4.33, and in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ah, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now this is an amazing exchange that we see here. Here we see a discussion which presupposes a prehistory. Here we see beings who were cast out of heaven recognizing someone who was there. 
A prehistory, a pre-conflict finding its present manifestation right there in the synagogue. In this verse, the nature of the devil's kingdom is clearly defined by the demon's talk. The devil's kingdom is always, in the context, a mob within. He manifests his will as a mob mind mentality, intent on manipulating an outcome by spiritual compromise. The us of demon land becomes the eye on the demoniac's mouth. The we you cannot see behind the eyes becomes the me that speaks in the place of the man. The group collective absorbs the beauty of an individual created in the image of God with divine rights. We are legion, the demons said in another place, and here the many manifest their will as the one. Now, dear heart, Jesus doesn't care about the many. He cares about the person who needs him. He cares about the lonely individual heart. And the many is only relevant in the context of the individual sheep that he loves and that he carries and that he guides. Jesus didn't die for undefined groups. Jesus died for the whosoever of John 3.16 that needs him. Well, that's all the time we have for the first portion of My Angel. Make sure you join us again next time when we complete this message. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart.